Chapter 8 of the Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. No End of Troubles. What's that queer sound? asked Step Hen, looking up suddenly. Oh, never mind, it's only me, came from the side of the boat, where Bumpus was lying flat on his stomach and leaning over. The boys looked at each other. Perhaps Dad and Alan smiled somewhat, but for a wonder, none of the others had any kind of joke to spring just then. For truth to tell, Giraffe Davy and even Step Hen himself were feeling as though if this sort of swaying motion had to keep up much longer, they could not resist the temptation to copy after the boy who was so terribly seasick. Thought I fell to drop a rain just then, remarked Giraffe, more to have something to talk about and so forget his other troubles than that he really believed it. No, it must have only been the spray, said that. You notice that sometimes after a big wave slaps up against our larboard quarter, the wind carries drops of water flying past. It's a lively little blow, all right, though I suppose the people up here who are used to much worse things wouldn't think this anything. Perhaps they might, if they were out so far from land, in such a little pumpkin seed of a boat, complained Step Hen, and with an old rattle trap of a motor that's threatening to wheeze its last any minute at that, added Giraffe fiercely. Let up on that kind of talk, Giraffe, said Davy. We've sure all got troubles of our own as it is, without that silly calling of names. For my part, I think the engine is doing its prettiest, and I take off my hat to it. Don't you go to calling it hard names, or it might get even by kicking over the traces and quitting on us. Then we would be in a fine pickle. But I think it's better to keep lying down all you can when it blows like this. Make room there, Bumpus, can't you? Then there were two of them, and talk about your rivalry. It did seem as though both of those fellows would tear themselves to pieces as the boat continued to swing up and down with that perpetual sickening, nauseating movement. Presently, Step Hen found a place to and tried to outdo his comrades, seeing which, Giraffe apparently thought he might as well make it unanimous. Then there were four, leaving only the skipper and his first assistant on deck to manage the boat. Anyhow, the cargo will be lighter after all this, Giraffe spoke up after a while showing that even seasickness could not quite extinguish his love of joking by now they had covered considerable distance so that the little headland loomed not a great away beyond that too had changed their course somewhat so that they were now much closer shore than before and unless some accident happened he believed that before another twenty minutes passed they would be able to get the shelter of that projecting tongue of land after which their present troubles would fade away it was time, too, for already the first dim signs of coming darkness could be seen around them. No doubt the fact that clouds covered the face of the sky had more or less to do with this early closing in of the night, as is always the case. Bumpus was sitting up, though looking very white indeed. Every now and then he would shake his round head in a doleful way and heave a tremendous sigh, as though he might be wondering if his whole past would be appearing before him, since, as he complainingly told the sympathizing Thad, everything seemed to be coming up nowadays only a little while ago i was worrying my poor old head off for fear the boat would sink with me he went on to say with a dismal smile and now it's just the other way and i'm feeling bad because she won't sink oh don't let yourself down like that bumpus said alan we're going in behind that headland right away and you'll be surprised to see how quick you get over feeling bad there the water isn't near so rough as it was right now and soon it'll seem like a mill pond do you think so wish i could believe it called out step hen without turning his head for he was busy but seems to me the old boat is jumping as bad as any could use i ever saw when we were out in the wild west oh all the same alan was right for they were passing in behind the projecting tongue of land and already the worst was over 
for the seas were not near so heavy, though of course the change was hardly noticeable to those who were feeling so badly. And so it came about that presently Thad had to lessen their speed, for he did not want to run aground or have any other accident occur that would cripple the boat and shorten their cruise. We're all right now, fellows, sing out Giraffe, being the first to recover, simply because he had more grit and determination than any of the other three, who had been knocked out by the motion of the craft in the big seas. Yes, and our job is to prowl around here some before dark gets us, so as to find the best anchorage, Thad remarked, as the boat crept slowly along back of the point. Why, I should think any place here would answer, said Giraffe, because that wind from the southwest ain't going to get a walk at us any longer. But who'll guarantee that the wind doesn't shift into the north during the night and have a full sweep at us here? asked Thad. No, we ought to find out if there really is a little stream flowing into the lake here, and if so, the mouth of that same will afford us the safest place to anchor or tie up. I agree with you there, Thad, said Bumpus weakly, but then the fact that he took any sort of interest in what was going on announced plainly enough that he must be recovering, and the others had by this time reached their limit, for they contributed no more to the fishes of Superior, but began to sit up and take notice of things. The recovery from seasickness is usually as rapid as the coming of the trouble, given a firm foundation to stand upon, and the sufferer, soon forgets his agony so that he can even remember that food tastes good pushing their way carefully and the scouts presently discovered that there was a stream of some kind emptying into the lake at this place and that around several bends there was a splendid anchorage for a small boat such as theirs though a larger craft might find some difficulty about getting in on account of shallow water and when they dropped their anchor over at last all of them were pleased to feel that they had left that riotous sea behind them this is something like declared giraffe now fully recovered and of course sharp set to get supper started indeed all of them felt as though they could do ample justice to a good meal so the gasoline stove was put into service again and everyone helped get the things ready that their menu for that night called for giraffe started a pot of rice cooking for he was very fond of that dish and could make a meal off it he often declared though his chums noticed that even when he had plenty of the same behind him, he dipped into every other dish, just as usual. Besides this, one of the boys opened a large tin of corned beef that was emptied into a kettle together with a can of corn and another of lima beans, the whole making what is known as a canoeist stew, and is not only tasty to the hungry voyager, but exceedingly filling as well. These with crackers, cheese, some cakes done up in airproof packages, and tea, constituted the supper that was finally placed before them it really seemed to some of those hungry boys as though that was the finest feast they had ever sat down to of course that often came to their minds because what they were just then eating tasted so very good but with such enormous appetites as the sauce there could never be any chance for a complaint coming and the chief cook received so many compliments that it was no wonder his cheeks and ears burned like the fire he had been standing over so long by the time the meal was through it was very dark all around them they could still hear the wind blowing out beyond the point and the wash of the big waves told that the sea was probably higher than before so that every fellow expressed himself as, as glad that they had managed to get into such a splendid harbor where they need not bother their minds what sort of weather held outside the night was warm and it seemed comfortable enough for them to lie around on the deck exchanging comments later on they would arrange just how they were to pile into that small cabin and manage to sleep 
for six boys can take up considerable room, and there would have been even seven to fill the space had not the scoutmaster, Dr. Hobbs, been recalled home at the last moment. Of course, Bumpus had entirely recovered from his indisposition. He only hoped he would now be proof against a second attack. In fact, he had even begun to remember the terms of the wager and was trying to get a line out on the sly, baited with a piece of meat he had fastened to the hook in hopes of some gullible fish taking hold so that he could wildly haul his captive in and have the laugh on his competitor. When morning came, he was determined to go ashore and see if he could not find some angleworms, for without bait, it was, it was folly to think of catching fish on hooks, and all sorts of other contraptions were barred from the contest. Giraffe, however, was not asleep, and he saw what his rival was up to, but although Bumpus was not aware of the fact, the tall scout had had his line over the side for half an hour now, also baited, and with the hope of a bite. From now on the race promised to become pretty warm between them once they got fully started in the game. They had talked over about every subject that could be imagined, including the matter of the mysterious powerboat that had passed them that afternoon, apparently heading in another direction. Though Thad knew that long afterwards, those in the black craft had altered their course and were really following them. It was getting a long near time when they ought to be thinking about retiring so as to get some rest when another subject came up suddenly giraffe who had been stretching that long neck of his for some little time observed that he was trying to make out what a certain queer light might stand for it's away up the shore yonder fellows and seems to be a lantern as near as i can make out he went on to say every now and then it bobs up and down and if he asked me i'd say it was meant for some sort of signal a signal echoed bumpus in almost an odd tone that sounds like there might be smugglers or something like that around here. And perhaps they take us for revenue officers trying to nip them at their work. Hugh, spells more trouble for us, I'm afraid. First the storm, then that awful spell of gone feeling, and now it's smugglers. Hugh, I'd say. End of chapter 8